Hi everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm joined here today by Peter Phobian and Miles Thomas. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Okay, I'm Peter Phobian, I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a Features, or a, a Contributor and Editor at Anime Feminist. No features. <laughs> Hi, I'm Miles Thomas and uh, this morning to get ready for this podcast I was looking for my mic and I accidentally three different Shirobaka wall scrolls fell on top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> is that true that's absolutely true so <laughs> and that's why we've invited you here today so that's we are role. now <laughs> we are now in the third part of our four-part shirobako watch along where we watch six episodes at a time peter and i have not seen shirobako before we're only watching up to the six episodes and then we're talking through them with miles who is a long-time shirobako fan and generally accepted uh i'm just gonna say expert but uh, how would you describe <laughs> yourself miles uh i mean i i get recognized at conventions as hey you're that shirobako guy so i think <laughs> um i think that that that's good enough for me okay i'll be saying that instead of expert then fantastic there we go <laughs> okay so this week we're looking at episodes 13 through 18 um the first half of the second core i guess and we're going to look back and see what our hopes were for these episodes when we last recorded a week ago, based on what we'd seen up to episode 12. So, Peter, what were your hopes and how did it shape up? Um, let's see, I said I wanted to see more from uh, me and Ree's side, uh, which I'm not sure if that really... Well, we didn't see much from for the CG, just a couple scenes where she was animating stuff. I'm actually not clear if she's doing work for their Aerial Girl series, because uh, I thought I saw her animating a plane, uh, which I thought was kind of funny, because she was probably just going to do some tires on planes instead of cars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not quite clear on what's going on with her. Uh, I guess we got a lot from, uh, I guess she's Diesel-san now, um, that she's uh, joined the team as their kind of like uh, script researcher to find out more information about planes, which I thought was a uh, I mean, I, I wanted to know more about how she might get into the industry, and I think this was a pretty interesting trajectory to take, just like uh, researching really obscure facts that they need to <laughs> make it kind of sort of accurate when they want it to be accurate, and uh, then getting hired on that way. So that was pretty cool. Um, I wanted to keep up with the fan service, or like the, the lack thereof, and I think it was pretty good. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Amelia, but I, I didn't really <laughs> notice any terrible moments. I think the moment I was most kind of going at was the um, the calisthenics. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, it's just completely pointless. And it just seems to be to show Emma being really cute. Mm. And then to show, it, it kind of serves a story purpose afterwards when Igachi is dealing with a little bit of artist block. But I just saw that and, oh. Yeah. I wanted it to move on very quickly. I think they did one scene where it was, uh, I may be wrong, I think there was one like short uh, transition where uh, there was a perspective from underneath the desk kind of looking up at the character who was sitting at their desk, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, very brief. Although uh, I've also been watching Star Driver where that is like one of the most common perspectives. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, may, I may have overlapped that a little bit. I, I remember, I think there was at least one. Uh then I also wanted to see how production is restructured and if there was upward mobility for uh, Aoi. Uh, I actually thought Erica was going to end up being in charge, but it looks like her father having health issues was a big, bigger problem. 
so now I, was, I guess it's called Desk. I'd never heard of this before. So she's basically like the head person for production for the entire studio, uh, which is good. I'm glad they chose her. <laughs> and the reasons for that were pretty obvious. It was because she was good at her job and she was not Taro. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, all it takes. <laughs> and seeing uh, they they did cover a lot of how they kind of like reset after an anime and uh, all the s- steps they take leading into how they set up for Aerial Girls, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. So I got. But that episode, there was one episode, wasn't there, where it was just exposition, exposition, exposition. <laughs> uh, I mean, if if you want to talk about this now, yeah, I'm happy to. Let's uh, talk about it quickly uh, now. The, okay. So the little well, the little pirate girl and the bear. Right? Quick, quick question for Miles: Was there like a change in directors uh, between season one and season two <laughs> that I'm not aware of? No, no. Um, I, honestly, I feel like that exposition episode was more. You know, it came after a one-week break. There was the Christmas or New Year's break or whatever. Yeah. And then there was a new episode, and then they're like, hey, we're going to do stuff, and then explain what you just saw. And I, I just... <laughs> yeah. I, it, it probably was a different writing staff, but, like, no, it was for the, our specific writer on that episode, but no, the staff was pretty consistent from core to core. That's weird. I, it's such a tonal shift, because uh, I yeah. know before the, the two like the little pirate girl and the teddy bear were kind of like ways of figuring out what Aoi was thinking because they were kind of like her internal monologue. Now they're just these entirely separate like like avatars of the animation studio, I guess. Uh, it's like completely from out of Aoi's perspective because they're talking about she's like fine with what's going on, but they're saying like this is annoying or uh, I don't know. It's just it's not in her head anymore. And yeah, basically what you said, they it's just this weird... Uh, expositionary tool which is completely unnecessary because the writing's so good that they're accomplishing exactly what they're trying <laughs> to achieve with those characters so i'm just and they have the device of new employees right there yeah, yeah they do use they even use that device and then they still have the the bear and the pirate girl explaining everything yeah, i didn't understand because i was like oh that's cool that's what that meeting is and then she goes so what was that meeting all about <laughs> i'm like oh, really <laughs> really little pirate girl you didn't get that when she asked what a pv Some... was i felt like i'm like do you not do you not even watch tv <laughs> like i don't understand someone on my twitter made a really interesting point the idea that the bear is kind of Aoi's artistic side and that the pirate girl represents kind of her more business focused side yeah and that the the dialogue between the two of them kind of represents her internal monologue but they've stopped using it that way as you said yeah they're not that's not Aoi anymore it's just like weird spirits that inhabit the animation studio and apparently don't know anything about animation I guess the yep. bear knows everything, and and the pirate girl doesn't know anything. So that was a little bit of frustration. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just it was just a shame because the story's been unfolded so carefully. I think, and then that one episode, it just felt like a brick had been dropped on it. Yeah, it's weird. It's like out of nowhere they decided they need training wheels for the information. Where they where they <laughs> exactly. literally for like fourteen episodes they'd been doing a great job. So yeah, yeah. Odd. However, I was really pleased to see Aoi get some upward mobility. Yep, and I thought that the it was kind of I thought it was well done in the sense that they did get Erika kind of out of the way so that Aoi really had to step up mm-hmm. and it means that now Erika's just come back at the end of episode 18 the two of them are more like peers so Erika is going to be supporting her as kind of the senpai kohai thing but they're now much more on an equal level than they were when Erika left and I think that relationship will be really interesting to explore. Whereas if Erika had stayed around, Aoi would have been very much in the junior position the entire time. Yeah. 
I don't think we would have seen as much of her potential. As like somebody mentions at one point, you're a natural at this. And that was fantastic to see. Yeah, and they've kept consistent with Aoi's strengths, I think, because uh, she gets that one moment where like all that stuff's coming out at the same time, and then she kind of just decides to uh, kind of, uh, what's that called, triage. And uh, yeah. also she, when they're trying to get that guy to draw the ruins in the background, they want to get this really famous guy to do it. And she's like, I'll ask him. <laughs> like, well, you're going you're gonna to go to this industry <laughs> legend and ask him if he's going to draw stuff for our like, new anime and nobody likes us. She's like, yeah, what, what's the worst that could happen? He'd say no. And they're like, oh, wow. I think... Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that built on so nicely her experiences previously with both Kano, yep. who was this this industry legend that she just rocks <laughs> up to his house late at night and has a chat with him and asks him to work on her emergency. Um, and also with Sugie, who was this legend who was just in the corner of their office and she had no idea. Mm. I thought it was really nice that it seems like to her the, the world of legends is becoming a bit smaller and a bit more within reach. That felt like a really suitable development for her. Yeah, it seems like she she's really she gets starstruck a lot, but she's never afraid to talk to them or even ask them for things. I envy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very I was really pleased with that. How did you feel about this six episodes compared to the previous? I uh, hmm, I don't know if I liked it as much as the past six. Actually, oh. the Ooh. if it if it was just like a one off with the the bear and the girl, um, <laughs> with that, but it, it's sort of become like a, a consistent piece of writing where they keep talking about stuff, and it's just like even though I like basically everything that's happening in the show, that is wearing on me. I like wish it that's wasn't happening. That's amazing. I knew they bothered yeah. you. I didn't realize they got under your skin quite that much that they're oh, I don't ruining know. the it, show for it's you. It's just like this really bad bit of writing that I'm constantly getting bludgeoned with. And I, yeah. I, it's just, it's not, every time I see them now, I just groan inside my head. So, <laughs> and that wasn't happening in the past six episodes. Um, yeah. Also, I'm noticing like a weird kind of tonal shift in the way they talk in the office. I don't really remember them saying like, like blatantly sexist stuff before, but I think that's sort of become part of the that's another reason why i asked about the new director uh, if there was a new director because uh, there's been like some commentary in the office that's kind of like it wasn't there before but uh like some pretty bad statements i think what are you thinking of uh when the director was describing how he wanted different characters animated he said uh i want one of them to have gentle femininity so that means she has to be clumsy and fall down a lot oh uh, yeah and then uh when and that was the director again he they're they're taking reference shots at the airport. Uh, he they're talking about Diesel son, and she says, "Oh, I'll just bring my friend in." And it's like, "Oh, is it a guy you know?" And she goes, "No, it's this girl. She's going to college." And he goes, "Oh, it's but it's it's a military otaku, right? I thought that'd be a dude." And unfortunately, the guy next to him he just goes, "That's that's sexist." <laughs> just that's yeah, it I'm because glad that they that. included that because they included that it didn't feel to me. I, I, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I guess the fact that the fact that he thinks that way, it's like, yeah, of yeah. course he thinks. That I was that I was way. glad he got the call out right away. And then uh, yeah. the last one that I remember was uh, oh, she was talking about how all of them had gone to an all girls school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he went like an all girls school, huh? <laughs> and she said, "Please stop imagining whatever you're imagining right now." It's well, what she says to him is, you know what? You're going to be really disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was so true to, I mean, to my experience as an anime fandom. And you see these things like glorified, like the relationships between sisters and things like that. Yeah. And you see these things really set up as something that they're just not. So I, I quite appreciated the fact that he's he's going, oh, yeah, all girls high school. And they're like, no, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. The the other one I feel like uh, I don't mind as much was uh, where they were all having the discussion over which voice actors they should hire. And there were just those awful people that they had to listen to 
uh, like giving absolutely useless input. Uh, <laughs> one, who, I guess one was about popularity. The other one only cared if they could sing. And the last guy basically just cared how big their chest was. And that was, that was it. <laughs> yeah. And I get like, I guess that's like, uh, they're trying to show you how awful that aspect of production is because you get a bunch of people who like aren't part of the creative process, uh, giving input on the creative process. Yeah. Um, I love, I like took I- three screenshots of the girl on the computer because they kept cutting to her just looking at those guys <laughs> typing. She had the best expression on her face. Like I, I wasn't know. sure who she was, though. I think she was she was from out of the office or something like that. Oh. Yeah, she wasn't a consistent character, but she she was not. <laughs> she was not impressed. Yeah, not happy to be there right then. <laughs> I don't blame her at um, all. I wanted to ask about that scene though. Was that Mars? Was that ad libbed? That scene was entirely ad libbed, actually. Okay. Um, oh wow. But it definitely comes from a place of uh, what production committees probably feel like because. You hear of these business interests time in and time out when talking about anime. Because an anime isn't made by a studio, really. An anime is made by a production committee who chooses a lot of the details about how that anime is formed. Usually it's not studios who come up with an idea for, hey, we want to make this anime next. It's a production committee coming up to a studio and saying, hey, we'd really like to pay you this amount to make this specific anime. Go crazy. It's yours now. Like, it's in your hands. Or they'll try and recruit a studio to become a member of the production committee, which kind of seems to be the case with this one, where um, uh, Musani will get a, sh- a share of the pie. Um, but as you can see, a share of the pie is not enough to determine everything, and these crazy interests are out to get you. And I loved, I loved this scene. It was so cringe-inducing the entire time, and I was rolling my eyes, but it, it again, it felt... It felt very realistic and accurate. <laughs> yeah, there was one moment where the guy, the, one of the guys delivers his line where he, he just stutters for a moment. And I heard that and I was like, that's not an, that's not a smooth line delivery. And it just made me wonder, like, is this actually, was this scripted at all? And I'm not surprised actually that it wasn't, but it, it ran so smoothly. I think you wouldn't have known otherwise. I'm really glad you caught that. That's a really good eye for that. Yeah, I didn't have any idea. It was, yeah, it it was a really great scene. I, once, I, once I kind of figured out that it might have been ad-libbed, I kind of heard it again. And it was just really impressive. It was great improvisation. Yeah, they really tied it together visually. Like, I could tell, like, how not entertained everybody on the Musagi side was. <laughs> yeah. So that was... It was a nice insight, actually, because I, I just assumed... I don't know. I, I guess I'm used to the more kind of traditional storytelling kind of narrative where you would expect that everything goes the way they want it to you would have expected Shizuka to get the job for a start I thought it was a really nice touch that the director says you know she really has something but there's two people who are better than her oh I bet you and who are better prospects than her I thought that was a really nice touch I bet you she's getting the job though there's they the person she was replaced with is I guess pretty famous and like they said we got to get her quick she has two other obligations or something like that I'm pretty sure she's gonna make her way into the anime somehow Maybe into the anime. I don't think she'll get that job, but maybe maybe she'll be given a part later. That would okay. be really nice. That's my... Because right now she's the only one not working on it, I think, which is so sad. Yeah. And they have six episodes left. She has to do something. So I She has like, to do yeah. something. <laughs> I mean, if she doesn't, that'll be really weird, um, I think, unless it like wants to get really freaking real and she like decides that she's never going to get a role <laughs> and then she lives the rest of her life working as a bartender. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So my my theory right now, I'm calling it, is that something happens <laughs> and she ends up uh, playing whoever it was they asked her to do during the audition. 
I I don't think that. Okay, I don't. Here's okay. Here's my prediction. I don't think she's going to get the part that she auditioned for. Either of the parts she auditioned for. But I think maybe if they end up redoing the end, perhaps adding in a new character and saying this girl would be perfect for this, I think she'll end up coming in a bit later as a different character. And maybe it'll be written for her. But that would be perhaps a bit too a bit too good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I think she'll come in as a different character and it'll just be because the director remembered her and was really impressed by her audition still. Um, so she'll still get the validation. She'll still get to be a part of this anime. Yeah, but so the others are all in. We do agree that she's going to be on Aerial Girls though. I think so. Yeah. I think it would be a bit too much if she if she isn't by the end of it mm-hmm. in some capacity. Yeah, I, I that's why I was uh, wondering whether the CG girl. Um, God, I can't remember her. Name. I can't remember if she's Re or Me. Me, sir. Yeah, uh, she's Me. Yeah, that's why I was wondering whether she was already working on the anime doing planes uh, or not. I don't know if they've tied that in yet, or if I just saw random clips of her and assumed that that's what she was working on. I think it was the fact that she when is. they're in the bar, she like and she's oh, yeah, she said they, she auditioned yeah. for that bit. And they, they said, we're all working on this. Yeah. I think she was actually doing the tire of a Jeep when, yeah, that's when right. she gets praised. That's right. Yeah, that, I remember that was the scene where they confirmed she was working on it. But I don't know yeah. if they'd really like straight out said it before that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Okay. I wanted, from these six episodes, I wanted more about Segawa. We're not getting anything on Segawa. No. <laughs> it's feeling a little bit like we're just, we're just not oh. going back to Segawa, which makes she did me very a, sad. She got a great scene, though, where which she scene? tells the new uh, production assistant, she's like, I'm going to have to rely on you uh, directly in front of Taro. And they went, yeah. yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's, it's not as much as I'd hoped for. She is oh, yeah. the most senior woman in the entire cast that, that I recall and we don't see her like, as much as the other people of her level I guess and that's a bit of a shame but never mind I'm just writing that off now <laughs> I'm just not expecting that anymore um, I wanted something positive to happen to Shizuka which was not necessarily getting an anime job and this is a little bit it's a bit bittersweet because something positive has happened the director has really noticed her yeah. and she got to audition for a second part within her audition because they liked her so much but it's it's not quite as positive as it as it could be. She also showed so, her... She got to be the uh, pickle Yeah, girl. I was going to say that. Did. <laughs> the pickle she pig. did very well there. The I'm sure pig. it felt like a triumph. Mm. But it was good, actually. It showed <laughs> <laughs> it showed her um, improvis- improvisational skills, which I thought was quite a nice touch, um, because we've only seen her reading scripts, really, so far. And that might be something that comes in handy at some point in the future. I feel that like, was something I really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I feel like that scene was used as the basis for Sakura Quest. <laughs> <laughs> I have to catch up on Sakura Quest. Uh, yeah, they, they have Myth. almost the same thing happens. Uh, I think it's in episode three or four, uh, except it's a chupacabra. So. Oh, really? Is it is it like homage? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe they just thought <laughs> that... I don't know how that concept came up, but I feel like that was like... I was like, man, this really is like reminding me of that scene. But uh, that probably has nothing to do with it. It's a pickle pig after all. <laughs> one thing I, one point I really like that they made in this uh, set of episodes, I think it was me who did this. She said that the experience you have before helps you in the future, yeah. even if you can't see it at the time. That was such a great point. And that is absolutely reflected in my own career. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But it seemed like really good not advice exactly, but it was a really important perspective. And it's the kind of thing you can only really realize when you get a little bit further in your career. And it's really nice that we have characters who are kind of adult enough and at the point where they can start recognizing these realities of working life. 
Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, I I remember I wrote something now and she said that line because uh, it's like even if you hated the job, it might have given you a skill or two that's that helps you out later on. Yeah, I think I wrote it down as well. It was you never know what experience will be useful where. Yeah. I think. Nice moment. It was really great point. Mm. Um, speaking of which, me, I wanted her to be rewarded for taking a risk with her career, and she was. She ended up working Yay. on the same anime with her friends, and I'm so pleased. Yeah. So I think she's in she's in a smaller company. There is more of a risk to it, but she she's working on kind of the same sorts of things as she did before, but now it's about telling a story, and that was... Oh, I'm so pleased that that worked out for her. I was worried for her. Um, and I wanted Taro to be punished for being the worst. That hasn't really happened because he's so oblivious. He isn't bothered at all by someone junior to him being promoted above him. So he's not feeling like it's a punishment at all. He thinks like the path's just being left clear to him to go straight to become a director. So Yeah, I do appreciate that. Like they've ratcheted up how little respect everybody has for him, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like he gives a shit when people are constantly he, telling him that he's useless and needs to leave. He doesn't care. He doesn't feel it that way at all. He's yeah. just like, yes, it's right that you should be taking on these little jobs that have no relevance to my career as a director. Mm. Well, maybe he'll. Yeah, so maybe he'll what? Maybe he'll what? Have you got a prediction? Uh, no. I, just, I was hoping he'd have like his, his <laughs> existential crisis where he realizes he's never going to get that job. And then he's like, oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't think so, though. He's just going to. Well, we talked to. We Coast. talked about this in an episode, didn't we? Where yeah. Miles asked us if we think he's going to be redeemed. And you've heard something about this, so you can't give a a, a spoiler-free view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's looking increasingly likely that he will not be redeemed. I'm hoping he'll get a wake-up call at some point, as I said in that episode as well. But I, it really doesn't look like anything can penetrate that thick skin of his. Well, like somebody, like the president of the company sitting him down and saying, you will never be a director, ever. Oh, I don't... Yeah. I think maybe why would he do that? Yeah, he <laughs> That's like the only way I think he would realize it, though. Like, I think even then, I don't. I don't think that would sink in. I think if it, he would, he would be challenged. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's like, I gotta work harder. And by that, I mean continue to coast. <laughs> yeah, I'd like him to take Aoi's success a little bit more seriously and really recognize that it has consequences for him. That she she's able to progress and he's effectively being held back through his own complete lack of capability but it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon mm. we'll find out in the next six episodes i guess yep. so in these episodes okay one big thing i really wanted to talk about we finally found out why ogasawara wears the gothic lolita clothing <laughs> We finally found out. Yeah. Peter, how did you feel about that revelation? Uh, if I, I I'll, I'll like use an example. Uh, you know how everybody says like Keijo, and I'm gonna say I'm just we're starting with Keijo. Uh, <laughs> like it's it's okay because all the girls are down and everything like that. Like they're they're happy to be wearing bikinis and trying to push each other into the water with using only yeah. their chest and their butts. Uh, yeah. it's kind of like on that where in universe it kind of makes sense but like if you sort of look at the level of realism in the series and try to assess that and like I don't know take it seriously I kind of was just like this seems this still seems like an excuse does that make sense? Miles you want to comment on that? so I, I think it was in the first episode I said they explain it and it makes it kind of better but at the same time it also circumvents it in a frustrating way um and I, I, I do think that they get there. I do. I think they justify why she's wearing it. 
and I think it it feels real enough to me that it it puts it a little beyond. We're just here because we wanted to have a goth loli character, um, but at the same time, uh, I I think it's fair to have to be frustrated with this this <laughs> revelation, uh, even the even if I personally think that it feels real enough to me to that I'm like okay that there we go I'm it's explained to me. At least they went to the trouble, is what you're saying. No, I I thought it was a. Re- I actually liked it. I liked their her explanation. I liked it. Felt like something that I would find in a real person. I, I mean, the whole we have someone in our office who kind of does the same thing. She wears gothic lead outfits on days when she needs to be strong because that's what she feels strongest in. And so maybe it's because I have that direct personal relationship with someone who's like that, and it's not really treated as weird even in like America that like I'm I'm able to buy in but I think at the same time you know they're trying to make the character more appealing so yeah this is a tough one it's uh, from from my perspective I I really like the donning armor idea I really love it when when anime and manga do this princess jellyfish is a really obvious example they have this whole theme of putting on clothes and makeup and accessories is putting on armor and that presents you in a particular way to other people that makes it more likely for you to get what you need from them and there's truth to that there really is and i don't own anything remotely gothic lolita but i do put on like i do put on makeup on days when i really need to present myself in a certain way or i need to feel a bit more confident i maybe will spend a bit more time on my hair or maybe be more likely to wear certain kinds of clothes on days when i really do need that extra boost and you know, the days when I'm most like slovenly are probably some of the days when I'm not feeling as much myself. So the core of this, I really do appreciate. The fact that it was wrapped up in Gothic Lolita specifically, uh, that that particularly didn't ring true to me. I have a few friends who, who wear Lolita fashion. It's a really high, high cost, high energy, high commitment uh hobby i say hobby i mean it's a it's a fashion it's fashion choice and it's a very expensive one and it takes a lot of time and a lot of work so that that part felt like it was a bit too much but at the same time it's it's an exaggerated representation of something that did feel very real if that makes sense Mm. and i do uh, she kind of does uh in acting the goth lolly part you know always drinking tea having like very a flat affect i feel like that has uh, kind of realistically portrayed some interaction she's had where people like didn't quite know how to um, argue with her, I guess. Like when she said yeah. she wasn't going to do the character designs, the director just like, he didn't know what to do because uh, she basically said it very flatly and like a statement and he, I, it didn't feel like he even knew how he could get footing in that argument against her. So he just sort of had to accept that she wasn't going to do it. Uh, so in that regard, I kind of see it working and I can kind of imagine being in the same situation and and not knowing how to argue with somebody (laughs) who is just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then sips their tea (laughs) because it's kind of like you're interacting with a, with, with a character and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd be pretty, I wouldn't know how to handle that situation either. So in that way, I can see how it would actually even work. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was striking the contrast between Ogasawara when she's in her Gothic Lolita mode and the flashbacks we see of her when she's in jeans and t-shirt and she hasn't dyed her hair and she's much more emotionally expressive. 
mm-hmm. and she's much more kind of troubled by events in the workplace. Whereas we, when we see her, you know, from the start of the series onwards, she is very much in control of her situation. She is supportive of the people around her. That continues. I love the fact that she um, put forward Igachi and says, you know, she's not done this before, but she's more than capable and she's definitely the one you should work with. Mm-hmm. And again, that's her kind of taking control away from the director almost because she says, you know, I know this situation best. This is definitely what's best for production. And, you know, whether she's right or whether she's wrong, the fact is that she is confident enough and calm enough that she is able to make her point and it is taken seriously. Yeah. And Itchy herself, I think, uh, like she gets shot down a number of times before she even really seems to get discouraged. Um, Yeah. And at that point, it's like, uh, I think Ogasawara kind of points out that they're not really helping her at all. And that's become an issue because they get like the, the vaguest statement as to how to correct it. Like, the, I think the author doesn't, he just says it, it's not her character or something like that. Just something completely unhelpful. Uh, yeah. And they, they said, since you're in creative control of this, you need to, like, help her figure out what he is asking for so she can make it happen for you. The way uh, Igachi approached the problem as well was pretty good. Like, it wasn't just like she immediately lost hope and then they had to go to the uh, batting cages for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a process. What did you, what did you think about that? Her oasis being. Uh, uh, I liked that. Is it batting cages? They're called. Yeah, I, I could. Uh, it's especially. It's kind of like a working out your frustration kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah. I I see. Uh, I don't know if I see a whole lot of stuff like that, especially with female characters, and to have it be like something that's a uh, kind of uh, typically masculine, and it be uh, a. A physical exercise which i think is generally what people retreat to when they're trying to work out frustration like actually hitting 90 mile per hour fastballs is probably a good way uh, <laughs> that's like a realistic way where you're just like okay because it's kind of like you know i don't know if it's if it's a good thing to say it's like violent but <laughs> uh yeah it's pretty violent <laughs> so yeah that's like uh, that made sense to me i was like okay i could see why she goes to the batting cages i thought that was a pretty cool character quirk that was not ex- where i was expecting yeah, was- they would end up <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure where they were going with it at first because we've seen that Iguchi's kind of calm space to, to reflect and take a break from her work is like this really idyllic wood setting with a cat. <laughs> and yeah. then Ogasawa like goes straight to baseball. It was, a, again, a nice contrast. Yep. And it perhaps felt like a holdover from her life back when she was in jeans and t-shirts and getting frustrated with her job more often, maybe. Yeah. So it's a part that. of her identity that's perhaps remained consistent. She was kind of superhuman, too. She threw that underhand pitch so hard she backflipped. <laughs> yeah. And they said, this could be an anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they cut away to that for a moment. I like the character and Yeah, it felt really true, that. actually. Yeah. Yeah. There was one moment that was awful, which was... Um, do you remember that moment where you just have this, like, soft focus image of Aoi and Emma, like, clinging to Iguchi, and they're all in, like, gothic Lolita clothing in their imagination? Yeah. Oh, they were, it was just really, this really kind of soft focus sexualized moment that was, it just felt unnecessary. Mm. Super unnecessary. Really unnecessary. So that was, uh, yeah, the one moment that really stood out to me. I mentioned Emma's calisthenics earlier, but actually that was nothing compared to this. <laughs> There's a little context with Emma's calisthenics where it's like um, a studio trope to have. There's this thing called the, the egg dance. Mm-hmm. They include it in, up to this point, they had included it in some way in uh, most of their series. And so, okay. like, that's more of a nod to them. I, I still, I actually don't like that scene, but people are obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, so like I share it as Crunchyroll and stuff like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it on Crunchyroll actually. And Radio Calisthenics on the Roof is a Japanese business thing. Like that's very common. It's just the the specific calisthenics she was doing were uh, like not. I mean, I wasn't you know. even bothered by the calisthenics she was doing, but it it was like, yeah, of course you would have the kind of most cutest, most reserved member of the cast go out onto the roof on her own and do these calisthenics alone. That's so moe, right? Yeah. So it was, it just felt like and then this get embarrassed. is for the fans. And, and, you know, we talk about fan service as if it's just like physical characteristics. That moment felt like fan service because it didn't seem to contribute to anything. Mm-hmm. It could have just as easily been the whole, uh, the whole team or it could have been a male character it could have been like somebody like Iguchi rather than Emma. You know, well, it couldn't have been Iguchi herself, but it could have been Ogasawara. It could have been anyone that wasn't Emma herself because she is really adorable and she's really beloved, I'm sure. And rightly so. I don't object to that in the slightest. But the fact is that they pick this one character to come out and do these calisthenics and it just doesn't feel like it's for the story at that point. Okay, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, the new employees. We had a number of new employees in these episodes. We had two production assistants, Ando, who has the streaks in her hair, and Sato, who wanted to cut down her commute. So they interviewed something like five candidates before. I think two of them were women, women and both of the women got hired. And then we had a new uh, animator called Kunogi. And we had a production assistant, experienced production assistant called Hiroka. So I want to look at Kunogi first. Um, Peter, how do you feel about her? Uh, I don't really like her. (laughs) (laughs) I... Why not? I think it would be kind of interesting to have somebody who had a lot of anxiety about, like, talking, but instead she's just making these really weird baby noises and, like, doing hand gestures and stuff, so she needs, uh, like, an interpreter most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, it's just, like, a weird kind of, I guess, meant to be cute uh character trait that is it seems really out of place that was pretty much how i felt it seemed like emma had a really believable amount of self-doubt yeah and she's it's her journey in the workplace feels really relatable i think where she she starts off really like not believing in her own abilities at all and she's not as good as she needs to be at that point but the point is that she will grow she'll improve and at this point she is mentoring I guess, or not necessarily mentoring, but supporting a, a newer member of staff. That's great. But Kunagi walks in and is just completely helpless. And that that's just a step too far, it feels like. I was trying to imagine what her interview looked like. Yeah. Because it just <laughs> like wouldn't... how would she even get there? It wouldn't be an interview, right? But I mean, even if her work looks great... You don't great, need an interview. Huh? Do you not interview for... You wouldn't really need an interview for that kind of role. You just show them your uh, portfolio, pretty much. Okay. Okay, and they just say, like, you could email it to them, and then they'd say, yeah, come in, we're starting on Monday. Not in so many words, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's not, like, again, every studio is different. Yeah. Not a lot of studios have in-house key animators, necessarily, but this is not an unrealistic way that someone could get... Someone this severe could get a a job. I, I don't find that part unrealistic. I just... This is a detail that you only is only obviously being included because people are getting excited for, about it. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, this is fan service. She's an entire fan service character to me. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's frustrating to watch. Yeah. It's like you say she is practically acting like a baby. <laughs> it's you know with the gestures and the like 
being com- almost completely non-verbal and then when she does come out with words it is just words it's not full sentences and she is an adult yeah. uh, i think it, uh like having somebody with her social social anxiety would have been interesting for uh emma because she was like that before so like stepping yeah. up for that person like her her dynamic with the character past like literally interpreting uh is interesting because she's kind of like mentoring someone who was very similar to her uh yeah but the fact that the character is just a caricature um, kind of, uh, I think, removes the benefit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And if, she, if she'd just spoken in sentences or she'd just, like, whispered everything or, like, even written notes, it would have felt a little bit better. But this, like, desperate toothbrushing gestures in front of them and, like, pointing at words, it just, it was a bit too much. It was a step too far to be realistic or, like, believable, I guess, in any way yeah. in the workplace. So that was... Yeah, she was a little bit frustrating, but maybe by the end of the the episode, uh, sorry, by the end of the series, we will see her grow as well, and maybe be able to exchange sentences with people. Yeah, talk. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, Ando and Sato, how do you feel about those two? Uh, I uh, it depended on the scene. I really during the meetings, I thought that they were useful for exposition, uh, and I also noticed that they uh, specifically Ando was. Uh, it seemed like she'd actually done a lot of research. Uh, mm. She knew a lot about the people she was working for and the different anime they'd made. Um, so I liked that they weren't just coming in, like, supposedly as completely ignorant, just had watched a Ghibli movie and didn't do any research because they thought the job would be easy, something like that. Um, I also like... I liked one scene where the director asked them what they thought of, like... I think it was when they were in, in the color meeting. And when they, like, come back at him, I think he sort of plays off what he asked but it kind of felt like he wanted to know what their opinion was or like wanted them to voice their opinion at the very least yeah. um so i thought i mean he just goes like oh i pretty much decided anyway when they when they and i i yeah i like to believe that he's he was just saying that to like take the pressure off because th- they had felt like they had made the decision and so if it didn't work out well uh i, I don't know like that was that was a kind of a 50 50 scene for me but i i, I liked it um, oh, see, I thought that that was... I thought that he was telling the truth when he said, I, I'd pretty much already decided. I just wanted to see what you thought. He, I mean, he's... We know he's a bit of a weak character in many ways, but he does have a strong vision. Yeah. And it makes sense that he would he would have a preference. Yeah. Um, and it was... I thought it was a kind of nice validation for them that he says, yes, you're thinking on the same lines as the director. Like, you're, you're thinking in the right... In the right ways. Yeah, he basically said, that's what I also chose. So... Yeah, exactly. Probably a good choice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, uh, I... I guess they there's like a cartoonish element to each character, so both of them respectively get lost at one point. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like their phones die. I was that was kind of yeah. yeah. Once again, it's kind of like a fifty fifty scene because I like the resolution where they both got back, uh, and like obviously it had stressed out Aoi, uh, Aoi, but she had kind of a uh, that was sort of also an opportunity for her to show that she was like good at helping people like get back on their whatever they're doing. And then when they came back, she had food for them. So, She's such what a, a good, good boss. boss. Yeah, the, exactly. The resolution that of that scene was good. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, watching that scene, my thought was just, oh, she's such a good boss. She is a natural manager. And managing people is really hard. And most people aren't naturally good at it. You have to work. You have to learn. And Aoi's just instantly great at this. Yeah. I'm so impressed. So I'm glad I, what they did with that scene. It was a little bit cartoonish uh, that they just, like got so like one of them i think just drove straight out of tokyo 
<laughs> somehow. But uh, yeah. I mean, you say that I have a terrible sense of direction. That could a hundred percent have been me. <laughs> okay. I was very sympathetic for that. And the the other one fell asleep on the train. And I guess Aoi's ultimate point was, you get tired, you make mistakes. I've been there. I've done that. And that was, I thought, a really nice loop around. Okay. That, yeah, that might be. Uh, come to think of it, uh, I, I just maybe I've been lucky with most of my car trips and uh, ja- Japanese, <laughs> a Japanese work culture. I guess falling asleep on the job is actually that's kind of a. It shows that you're working hard, right? That's what their perception of it is. <laughs> so like falling asleep on the train is a pretty standard part of your your day. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that was a very respectable thing that she did, actually. <laughs> I don't know how it was interpreted necessarily in the universe, but I didn't. I didn't think it was. I didn't think either one was kind of cartoonishly bad. Yeah. I thought it. It felt. I think the one thing, the one moment I had was when uh, it was Sato, wasn't it, who drove straight out of town, and she was calling from a payphone, and I thought, oh, what? She doesn't have a cell phone. She she doesn't have any way to contact them. And then they said, no, she's she's got no battery. So I was really glad they included that little detail because mm-hmm. I was just thinking, <laughs> why is she not looking up the maps? You know? Yeah, that is that is one thing too. It seems like uh, even if they get into these uh, situations, like some of it, I guess, is just kind of cartoonish too because the series is a comedy. Uh, yeah. but the payoff is very consistently good. Like they had, uh, yes. w- like with that scene, it showed that I was a good boss. Uh, and with the Iguchi thing, uh, something I didn't mention was, uh, that when she finally like got it, uh, she like, uh, was it, she had that moment where she said that she's alive or something like that. And yeah. then they ended the episode with the, uh, the key art or some sort of art of the character that she'd been spending so much time drawing. And then the character moved Yes. Yeah, I thought that was a good moment. So, like, the payoff yeah. at the end is always really, really good. And as well, with, with Iguchi's uh, growth, there, there was a temptation early on just to, to think the author's being unreasonable and, you know, putting unnecessary demands on them. Is there something more going on here? Is it a bit office politicky? And then at the end, when she gets it, you realise, oh, no, actually, the author had a point. There was more work that she could do. There was better that she could achieve. And she ended up achieving something really special. I thought that was that was a nice point to make that it wasn't just about unreasonable author, which I had been waiting for. I'm glad it wasn't that way. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was kind of it didn't seem like the author's demands were necessarily that bad because the whole time they were trying to talk to him directly to get to get more yeah. information from him. Uh, and it's just I w- funny. Yeah, story. that funny story guy is so shitty that uh. they they could never talk to the author. So that was like that was the problem. It wasn't so much that the author didn't like it; it was that they got the information super late and were unable to have a conversation with him because the funny story guy was uh, playing golf or some stupid shit. <laughs> In fairness, it didn't seem like the author particularly wanted to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, if he if he'd really wanted to, he absolutely could have like made scheduled a visit, right? He could have he was already communicating with them. He could have said, "Let's meet and just hash this out," and just chose not to. Um, so I, I don't think it was. They, well, they did say he was like super busy, like on a book tour or something like that. So well, um, that that funny story guy said that. So I'm not. Oh sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's not exactly <laughs> a reliable narrator, is he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Miles, how do you feel about the the production assistants and Kunagi? You have a bit so, benefit of a bit more knowledge than we do, but do you enjoy well, watching? I, I I remember even just the beginning part where I was first watching this part of the show week to week, mm. um, and I was at first like, well, there are so many great characters I want to spend more time with. I'm I'm a little frustrated that they're just throwing new characters on this already huge cast, yeah. 
um, especially the fact that they're not based off of real people in the way that a lot of the the greater studio cast is. Um, and I was more interested in, in the kind of behind the scenes stuff. So that would be more interesting to me just inherently, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I think it was the scene where uh, they get lost that really kind of drove it home to me that I really like these additions. <laughs> <laughs> the um, even if it's just as a vehicle to show off how Ali has grown or how great of a boss she is. I'm very happy for them. And uh, I I feel like it would be hard to really communicate Ali's growth without that, like that yardstick of these two girls who are very much in the same kind of world that Ali was in just a few episodes ago. So I like them from a story perspective. If you get promoted, there are more people beneath you. So it wasn't necessary to have more people. Uh, to yeah. show that Aoi, like if she got promoted and she wasn't, she didn't have understudies or, or people that she was like, you know, giving directions to. For, yeah, it, yeah. It, it would be kind of a meaningless promotion. I liked uh, that they, they both had this, where they needed to do the PV and they, she basically said, go around and tell everybody they need to prioritize this certain work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Both of them tackled that pretty good. Like they, the person would always some say like, uh, well, I'm going to have to put down everything I'm doing and then immediately start on this if I'm going to try to do the PV for that scene. And they went, okay, could you do that, please? Yeah. <laughs> just over and over again. These are like, like, I don't know. It was like they just made it so the other person had to talk to a wall that was just like, yes, yeah. please do that. Uh, so I I liked that they even, I guess there was a nice mix of them randomly getting lost, but also like uh, being able to like pass down directions and uh, enforce them when they were told what to do by Aoi. And it seemed like, to an extent, ignorance was bliss. Like they were asking the the animators to do things, or the like the the staff to do things, regardless of the consequences, because they weren't really completely aware of what the consequences were for what they were asking. Yeah. And it it reminded me of Aoi going to Kano and asking him to <laughs> to come work on her episode. She just had no clue of like the the what a big situation it was and she didn't really understand what the consequences might be of asking this legendary director to work on her her episode yeah so i thought i thought it it again it was like an echo of something that she'd already done i really enjoyed that so the other one is kunagi miles how do you feel about kunagi uh i mean uh, i i think i already talked about this to the extent that i like have opinions about okay. her. I, <laughs> I think she's only here because this is an anime and I in a series that otherwise does a really good job of having people be based on real like again she with Sato Nando the biggest criticism I have about her should be that she's just not based on someone real Um, and I the five main girls are the only girls I want to be the in-universe only girls (laughs) yeah but unlike Sato Nando I don't feel any affection towards her I don't feel like she adds like any charm or personality to the series. Um, and I feel like her entire role is just completely fan service, even though she does again, show growth in Emma in the same way that the two girls show growth in Ali. I don't feel like that's justified by the amount of just uh, cringe I experienced by watching her on the screen. Well, that wraps up her very nicely. I think there was one good scene I liked with her. Really? Uh, yes. Well, it was just a funny scene, but I thought it, the one joke I thought that was kind of okay was when uh, Emma is drawing and it's got some like you know um, kind of like happy music playing, and then the music stops and she sort of looks up and turns around and Kenogi's staring at her. 
<laughs> and she jumps, but then, I mean, she immediately recovers. But I think that that's just kind of like a, a a good quiet person in the office kind of joke, where you know the person yeah. comes up behind you and taps you on the shoulder, and then you lose your shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was okay. I liked that joke. There was one moment in earlier episodes mm. where Emma's watching. I can't remember who she's watching now, but she's watching someone else draw, and she she knocks over a bin. And she starts apologizing, only to realize that the person drawing hasn't noticed her at all. Oh, yeah. Was that Ikachi? It, <laughs> was it Ikachi? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Miles, do you know the scene I'm talking about? I don't remember. Okay. But she, I, th- I thought maybe that was a reference to the fact that she's she's growing, but mm. she's not quite at that level yet where she can get completely <laughs> hyper-immersed. Where there could be a fire so, in the building and she wouldn't notice it. <laughs> yeah, and she just wouldn't notice, exactly. Right. So she's not, she's not quite at at her professional peak yet which makes sense she's still growing mm-hmm. okay last new employee Hiraoka woo <laughs> <laughs> Peter how did you feel about Hiraoka he gave them he warned them right when they when they first meet they said <laughs> please introduce yourself he says I have a lot of connections but I'm uh, what did he say like I'm, I'm an overbearing asshole or something like something to that effect uh, mm. I don't work well with other people or something like that and he, he made good on that threat uh, so I think they've sort of showed, like, I, I, I appreciated that he was introduced that way because I do think that uh, some of the things that he's shown have, have been that he is well-connected and really does know what he's doing a lot of the time. Uh, but on the other side, he's just kind of a jerk and he doesn't really work well with other people. And some of the decisions he makes are kind of inimical to working well together, like not going to the, the morning meetings. He just doesn't know what's going on in the office. And hopefully that'll change now that oh, I chewed him out. He's not as bad as Taro, of course, but he, yeah, he is kind of like needlessly a jerk who puts people down for no reason. Well, I question whether he's not as bad as Taro, actually, because oh, yeah. I thought that he and Taro are two kind of different sides of the same the same coin of the the male coworker making a female boss's life difficult or female coworker's life difficult. So Taro Taro makes Aoi's life difficult because he's completely incompetent and he doesn't care. Whereas Hiroka is competent, he knows how to do his job, but he doesn't want to support Aoi, he doesn't feel part of this team in any way. In the way that Taro really does feel part of the team, he's part of Musani. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's looking to his own career, he's ambitious, but he he is a part of the team in that sense. Whereas Hiroka has absolutely no interest whatsoever in fitting into their routines, into getting to know the others, he's not sociable in the slightest. And that for Aoi to kind of manage him, that's a huge challenge. And it's one that she doesn't face with Taro at all because he's he's fine going along to the drinking parties and like watching watching the things that they've created. He really does get into it. So in some ways I had to acknowledge that Taro isn't quite the worst, which I wasn't thrilled about. But yeah, Hiraoka's, <laughs> Hiraoka's pretty bad in some ways. I, I imagine like if it were me and Aoi's position, she's new to this and she's trying to manage him as well. And he's undermining her at every step. That's really hard for her. And I hope that the steps she's taken to deal with it do actually pay off. I imagine they will. But yeah. that was, yeah, that was a little bit hard to watch. So mm-hmm. I yeah. hope that develops in the way I want it to. I think it, it was a, it struck me as a bit more realistic because, um, well, I guess in, in Taro's situation, it's maybe like a kind of cultural thing where I could see somebody like uh, Hiroaka, uh in a American workplace, but Taro, I feel, would just get fired very quickly. Uh, <laughs> so that's like somebody you would consistently need to butt heads with uh, because he's yeah. not—he's like technically doing his job, um, 
It's just like he's making everyone else's jobs harder in ways that is difficult to like put on a reason that you got fired. Uh, so, and it seems like oh, the what she is doing to deal with him is sticking as opposed to Taro, where it's just like he doesn't notice when people are directly telling him that he should go jump off a cliff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess maybe I, I feel like there will be a better payoff with him. But yeah, when you say it that way, I can see it, it, it's basically he's kind of just there to make her job harder. So, yeah. and, and in kind of a way where uh, you have to question uh, maybe I don't remember who brought him in. Was it was it the ponytail guy? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, kind of. I don't remember de- either. Depending actually. on who's like working in the office. Yeah, maybe they just randomly brought him in. Like, w- would he act the same uh, if it was the uh, Honda running things, or uh, would it be different? And that's what I wondered. Yeah, I did wonder that. So, yeah, I don't know. Genuinely, don't know. But he directly challenges Aoi's authority, mm-hmm. whereas Taro just doesn't necessarily respect well i don't know if he actually disrespects aoi um he doesn't do his job properly but i'm not sure if that's necessarily anything to do with aoi herself it's just taro being completely incompetent i don't think they take taro seriously enough to feel disrespected even if he would yeah and i also don't think he has enough i i don't think he's like uh the type of person who would disrespect someone purposely he disrespects someone because he's so full of his own self and yes obsessed with his own world but he would never disrespect someone go out of his way to disrespect someone and he would genuinely feel bad if he ever disrespected someone so how do you feel about hiroko miles i love (laughs) um controversial he is the worst character in the show he's way worse than taro and i love to hate him so much wow i think he is a fantastic addition to the show um, and I just don't like the difference between Taro and Hiroka is night and day. Like, so one of my biggest shameful secrets is I actually relate to Taro um, <laughs> way more than I probably should. Um, <laughs> like, especially like I think back to like college miles, like that era miles. And that was actually just me. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I was I was always Hiroka. Um and I, I feel like I've grown up a lot since then. And so watching the character <laughs> is actually kind of cringe inducing and frustrating for me to see like, yeah, I was, and I mean, this is maybe why I jumped to his defense and say he would never do anything like <laughs> evil. He would just be a dumbass, <laughs> And that's why you would do something rude. Cause like, I'm like, cause he's me, he's a, he's a younger me. And um, the fact that he's also based on the director, like I understand, <laughs> like anyway, um, but here, Elka is just, the worst kind of person, like my least favorite kind of person. Um, I think cynicism is like the the worst possible approach to life. Um, I think being jaded day one at a new job uh, shows that you're not worldly, that you're uh, just an insufferable person. Um, and I feel like the fact that he can get away with that represents a lot of where uh business culture and this is certainly not exclusive to japan mm-hmm. or anime but just where international business culture is where you're actually way better off being a hiroka than a taro and that's maybe good maybe bad i like to just think it's bad because that 
can't you can't grow out of that, but you can grow out of being a Taro, as evidenced by me and the director of Cheryl Baco. <laughs> Mars's co-workers, if you'd like to comment on this, please do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely be looking at the office differently on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I grew up, but no, he's the worst, and the way he treats Aoi is just unacceptable. Well, in the next six episodes, hopefully we'll we'll be able to wrap up Taro's arc in a way that's somewhat satisfying, I'm hoping. Um, Peter, where do you want to see it go from here? Uh, Final six episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I would like my prediction about Sugi to be right. Um, because... Which one? Which uh, one's that? About her getting the the role of, I think it was Arya or Risa, something Shizuka. like that. No, no, no. Uh, that, that's the name of the Shizuka. character that she... Yeah, Shizuka would be getting the role of... Uh, yeah, Aria, okay. I think it's Aria, Aria. Um, Hopefully yeah. less of the... I guess I don't mind Pirate Girl and the Teddy Bear. I just... If they just <laughs> return to their previous really? role, that'd be, that'd, be, that'd be really great if they just did what they used to do. I felt like they were really yeah. cool in that capacity. Like, I know both of you said that uh, Hiroka seemed kind of uh, unmanageable, uh, but I, I, I mean, he obviously he went to the meeting even though he was kind of sitting in the corner. And actually, that was a cool scene uh, where Taro is the one who ends up coming up to him and goes like, hey, we're, we're co-workers, let's celebrate together. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh my god, did you do something cool? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I hope like maybe like their, some of their bad parts cancel each other out. Like he could maybe tell Taro how to do his job and Taro could maybe keep dragging him to events and make him a bit more enthusiastic about his work, something like that. Uh, that would be really interesting. Uh, but That's also, a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I would also just like to see, I think I always handled him pretty well, but to be able to see that... Uh, she has some effect on him and maybe create some improvements would be nice. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah, things have been pretty good past some weird exposition. So uh, <laughs> just uh, yeah, maintain the course, I guess. I think I enjoyed these six episodes much more than any that have come before. Really? I think seeing, yeah, absolutely. Seeing Aoi in boss mode has just been fantastic i've enjoyed every minute of aoi just doing her job and showing that she's capable and competent and you know she's still struggling but she's not she's not how to say she's struggling but she's not drowning she's coping and i think that seeing that growth that we had in the first 12 episodes kind of be the foundation that they're building on now that is so satisfying to watch so i'm looking forward to seeing that develop even more same with Emma. I thought that her growth has been really lovely so far. I really look forward to seeing her build even more confidence in herself. Um, it'd be nice to have more of a focus on the the five of them before the end. It'd be nice if Shizuka comes into this production, which I think she will, then it would be really great to have all of them in the room together watching the anime that they worked on and it's not going to be their seven lucky warriors or whatever it is but it that's still really meaningful it means they're all on the right path to achieve their dreams which is always great to see um i've given up on segawa i don't think we're gonna get anything Aww. from her and i'm so sad about that i want to know what the deal is with her and endo i want to know why she like doesn't get involved more in 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 the story why they haven't involved him more in the story i thought maybe there'd be some reason for that some career related reason and we just haven't seen anything so i'm giving up on ever finding out i think she's just been a bit like uh Kaori. she just kind of shows up serves a purpose for a little bit and then walks away yeah i don't i, I think i 
I have confidence that it's all going to wrap up in a way that I find rewarding. I'm definitely pleased that I've watched it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a positive way to go into the final six episodes, I think. Yeah, one consistent and, thing about the show is every time, every subplot is wrapped up in a very satisfying way. Yeah. Very, very cathartic, yeah. especially if you're like uh, kind of a hardcore anime fan. They really like reinforce the everybody loves anime. And... Uh, <laughs> And I don't know, like the the thing with Igachi, um, I don't know. I, it, I I had the expectation that no matter, even if I don't like certain parts of a subplot, the ending will be satisfying. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And I look forward to seeing what they do with the new characters who've just come in. I, my expectation is that by the end of the series, we see all of them on a path to kind of grow as people in a positive way. And I would love to see that. Uh, especially for characters like Hiroka, who currently is is really difficult. It would be nice to see him softening a bit over the course of the series, maybe getting a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out next time. Uh, Miles, anything surprised you about our discussion, or is it more or less as you expected? No, this is probably the biggest gap I, I would have expected. Oh, really? What did you expect? Yeah. I I thought you guys would talk a lot more about Iguchi. Okay. Uh, and her subplot and her uh, so like she also got promoted so basically mm-hmm. in in this six episodes we see three women get pretty significant promotions and I, I think I, I thought we were going to spend most of this episode discussing the how and why of that and kind of the con like what that means for the, this kind of workplace environment because we in the two re- other episodes we talked a lot about the workplace environment rather than specific plot points um so i thought that was an interesting switch aoi getting ahead because her superior left which you know there's a lot to say there right Iguchi getting it because they're taking a chance on her like she's just worked hard and you know it, I, I thought it was really validating that the reasons she got that opportunity and that really cool role is not because she was aggressively seeking it out but just because she worked hard and she was recognized for her talents and then emma getting a like not a real promotion but kind of getting a a mentorship role um just because they they recognize and value her within the company i all three of those i thought were really those were really valuable to me so i was surprised we didn't talk more about that not that i'm upset or um i don't know to me it felt more like and I may be wrong on this, but it felt more like they were the ones who were there. They were the ones who were left. So Aoi was kind of the only choice because the other alternative was Taro. And Iguchi was not the only choice, but when Ogasawara put her forward, she became the only choice. And it was really validating that she got that support from Ogasawara. But I think if, they, if they'd if they said no to Iguchi and Ogasawara said no to them, they would have been really stuck. So it did feel like they were putting kind of a fed company, but yeah, not, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a that's choice. a really bitter way to look at it. I'm not sure. I, I think, especially with Iguchi, yeah, because they could have character designers. You can get from, I mean, you can't get a character designer from anywhere, but they certainly have an entirely large cast of animation directors who could have done the same thing. Okay, like it could have been Sagawa-san. It could have been anyone. Okay, maybe that would was kind of necessary context then to appreciate. The, the gravity of that particular promotion. And then the other thing that I uh, was interested in is I, maybe this is also me really liking the character, but of the five main girls, um, 
I really, of course, like Aoi. She's the main character for a reason. <laughs> but Diesel Chen, Midori gets a lot of screen time this this six episodes, and I really like seeing kind of her role within everything. And we talked about like that that one aside from the director, the whole uh, don't say that that's sexist. That was pretty uh, funny. Yeah. Uh, but her role within the studio is a very interesting one. Um, just kind of to examine, just seeing her relationship. I forget the the head writer's name. My just like Is it my Yeah, my yeah. That sounds that sounds right. <laughs> the guy in the flat cap. The guy in the flat yeah. cap. Uh <laughs> kind of to see her be very interny. Yes. Um and her be just completely uh I don't know, unfazed by by being in the this complete position of she's just so desperate to do anything and to get any work done. And because of that desperation or maybe desperation is not the right word, but because of that just intense unnerve, unending drive, she ends up like kind of squeezing in right, like right out of college in a pretty interesting and engaging role. Yeah. And I think that that's, that was exhilarating to watch. I was exhilarating. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't one of those situations where she kind of showed a skill so prominently that they kind of decided that that was something they wanted rather than having a, a need they needed filled, uh, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah. It's what they, like, looked at what she could do, and they said, like, oh, we could really use something like that around here. We didn't even know that's something we needed, as opposed to, like, we have this this set role that every yes. production company has and there's a vacancy and we need to fill it she like proved val- so valuable they decided to create a position for her and then i guess the last thing that i was surprised we didn't talk about is Aoi's job is miserable <laughs> and it's so hard i thought her and job as like, an assistant was miserable and hard though to be honest this just felt like you know the same thing squared I mean, I think she's not getting any more or less stressed out, but just because the stakes have been raised, um, you know, she like anything she gained from getting ahead of it before is now lost. <laughs> what do you mean it's lost? Uh, so basically, it's kind of like in a video game how you can level up a bunch, but then when you go to the next level, all the enemies are stronger too. <laughs> and so it, it's just as hard as it was before. Yeah. I so I, I really enjoyed that. I, yeah, I don't feel like that's necessarily the case, though, because it's not like she's learning specific skills. It's more like she's learning coping mechanisms and she's building networks. And those seem to be the things that are paying off now. But oh, And that is true. Yeah, she, but she doesn't she seem just as stressed as she did last yeah, season? Yeah, but I kind of feel like that's inherent to the job. Honda seems stressed <laughs> all the time as well. It just seems like a horrible job to me. Oh, I don't know. I th- I don't think, like, there was a couple um, in the, the first core scenes where she, like, has a breakdown and needs help. I don't think she's actually gotten direct assistance from anyone yet. Uh, also, there's the dynamic where, like, they had that scene where she was cleaning the glass where they used the, uh, the two toys to kind of show you what her she was thinking but they've sort of stopped using that as a mechanism to like look into her head now so mm. i don't really I, I i don't really remember getting the feeling that she felt like lost like she did in the last scene like the biggest one was when uh like eight things were going wrong and there was like what it was she like sat there for five seconds and then immediately came up with like a task for everybody to complete 
Yeah. Uh, she was still stressing out. I guess the only the the very end of the last episode was the one where she was like, "Oh, I actually don't have enough people to deal with all this. How am I going to do it?" And then Erica comes back. Erica comes yeah, back. Yeah, that was so... that was the one moment where I felt like she was trapped, and then somebody shows up. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how their relationship has changed from when the early episodes Erica was kind of protective towards her and supporting her. That support, the nature of that support will naturally change now that Aoi is in a more powerful position. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. I th- Quick question. Yes. Did either of you roll your eyes when Erica showed up at the end of episode 18? No. It had that slow pan up her. Uh, uh, no. I thought I was thinking, uh, I guess that, I don't know. My I, I was thinking kind of like, would that shot be very different if it was like the like a hero arrives? Uh I don't know. Where you yeah. see the boots and you're like, oh, is it Gandalf or something like that? And then it pans up and it's Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Gandalf? Well, yeah, you know, where they, where they, the person, the hero rises at the last minute, or like, especially <laughs> if it's the unexpected person, I think they would use a pan up shot in that situation because you're not quite sure who it is yet. And then it reveals that it's the person. Uh, like, Sorry, that, we're, we're in the middle of a season of My Hero Academia and you go to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, I don't, well, has that scene happened in My Hero yet? I, uh, like, it, okay, no. so is it, is it all might? Those are pretty muscly quads. <laughs> is it all might? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I feel I felt like that was maybe a dramatic choice instead of a fan. Uh, that was my impression, at least. I guess it it could have been interpreted I mean, that way too. I mean, I I think while you can definitely argue that this was a so so yes, you could say that. But I guess I'm definitely coming from the perspective of having followed every use of the Shirabako hash, official hashtag for the last three okay. years which is to say that a lot of people will post that gif or like that combined image um, as something that they're very interested in in other ways. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'm letting the, the fandom get to me a little too much, but... Poison uh, the well. I mean, the, the, the tilt-up in general is a way of uh, introducing characters in different contexts, which I don't particularly like. And it's something I've monitored more closely at different points in time and the amount of times that women are introduced with this kind of slow tilt up their body it's it's something that I don't like but now I think I've become a bit used to it so there's a chance that I just didn't clock it because anime does it all the time especially the time. for female characters it does it for men as men too but not quite as often I think based on my experience so yeah i i didn't notice it but that's probably just because it's been completely normalized for me thanks anime You're okay <laughs> um i think that wraps it up for today um just a bit of housekeeping if you want to find more of our work you can go to www.animefeminist.com you can find this podcast on soundcloud on itunes and on stitcher you can find us on Twitter at Anime Feminist, on Facebook at facebook.com slash animefem. We now have a Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we do have a Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash animefeminist. We're now comfortably beyond $900 in income, and we have, as a result, Ooh. begun weekly podcasts, yeah. which is great. So you are listening to, hopefully the third of four weeks worth of podcast episodes in a row, which is the first time we will have done that. Fantastic. Our next funding goal is to be able to pay the team when they edit a contributor's work. So uh, I'm not sure where we're at now, but I think we're almost at $1,000. We need $1,140 to be able to pay people 
$15 an hour for their work. So if you can spare a dollar a month, it really does add up. Please go to www.patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us a dollar a month to continue our work. One new thing we have introduced recently is we have a private Anifem server on Discord. So currently patrons who are supporting us with $5 or more a month have access to the Discord server and we're having some amazing conversations already. We have channels for anime, channels for manga, games, airing shows we can discuss without worrying about spoilers, and even comparing notes for Japanese study. So if you can spare $5 or more a month, we would love to see you there and start speaking with you in person. So thank you so much to Peter and Miles for joining me today. We will be back next time with episodes 19 to 24.